Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another installment of Locked On Texans, your daily podcast covering your favorite football team every single day. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis, along with my partner in crime. John, some sports guy, Hickman. It's Friday. I'm happy, you know, feeling good, feeling great. And thanks to a lack of natural athleticism, I'm sitting down, of course, and commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different. We know that Corona has kind of thrown off everything in our entire lives, but Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day. No matter how you watch it, Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. And today is Friday. Of course, we are getting ready for taking on the Tennessee Titans who dominated on Tuesday. I mean, they looked amazing on all three phases before the season started. I just knew how dangerous this team was going to be. A.J. Brown was able to play again on Tuesday. Uh, Ryan Tannehill looks like the efficient killer that he is. And Derrick Henry had the meanest stiff arm of the year so far. And defensively, they just balled out, you know. And they played a very good Buffalo Bills team. So today we have Brandon Scott, our cousin, on from 16. We're going to talk about what we saw on Sunday against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I know you guys have heard from us already, but we're going to bring in Brandon. And then we're going to dive into what we expect to see and possibly the outcome of Sunday's matchup against the Tennessee Titans, who featured two former, actually three former Texans, if you want to count the head coach, Mike Vrabel, Jonathan Joseph, and Jadavion does not have a sack clowny this year. But before we get into all, into all of that, Brandon Scott, what's going on, brother? What's happening, man? Glad y'all got me back, man. I'm uh, I'm, I'm starting to, to really feel comfortable stretching out with y'all. So it's, it's real good to be with y'all, man. <laughs> Sounds good, man. You know, first and foremost, John, you're really disrespectful by calling out Jadavion Clowney like that. But we're going to get into well, that a little bit later. <laughs> oh, hey, 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 and, and not, to, not to be correct, but you, you forgot one former Texan. I think it's Ben Jones is still there, ain't he? Ben, ben Jones is still there. Yeah. yeah is that yeah, the yeah. Tennessee Texans? They already stole our jersey colors. God, dog, they, man. They're stealing everything from us. They are but, the fake um, Like, that's, that's a fact. They are the fake Oilers. We know that. So. Oh, yeah, I'm like not that. being disrespectful. I just wanted to point out that among other things we could have called Bill O'Brien out for, I know he's going, but I'm going to shout out the ghost of O'Brien and say thank you for not signing Jadavion Clowney to that massive contract that he wanted because in two years he has mm, – no matter what he has, Jacob Martin has more sacks than him in the last two years. So to the ghost of Bill O'Brien, one last thank you, because I know you have gotten a lot of one last screw yous. So, but uh, before we talk about the Titans, the Jaguars, our first AFC South matchup of the year, handled business, a week remove of the firing of Bill O'Brien, a whole lot of chaos going on in the Houston media circuit with this team of 16 and Kirby. How impressed were you with Sunday's win? Or were you impressed at all? Did you think it was going to happen regardless of Bill O'Brien being there or not, Scott? So, you know, I was conflicted. You know, I was conflicted even from the beginning, before the game. Well, first of all, I was not sure what to expect. I, I was not certain that 
the Texans were going to win this game or that they were going to look good just because of the receipts that we had so far. They didn't look good at all in the four games prior. Like, despite losing, they just looked bad and obviously inconsistent. That's one thing that they've talked about a lot since the season started was trying to find that consistency and maintain it, especially like throughout an entire game. And so I did not know what to expect from them or if I should like expect anything good. And then on top of that, whatever I got, I thought, how do I evaluate this? What is the, what is the curve that I need to be grading on? And I did that. I graded on a curve, like in terms of watching the game and keeping in mind who the, who the opponent was and just the situation. And so from watching them, I did think that they played a whole hell of a lot better. And they also played an inferior football team to the ones that they had played before. So it was a balancing act in trying to decide what I thought of the performance. Um, But there were some positive things, obviously, aside from winning the game. That's the ultimate positive. But when you think about what they did offensively, and this was the first game without Bill O'Brien, I guess, breathing down Tim Kelly's neck or breathing down Deshaun Watson's neck or being present in any of the meeting rooms. And it seemed like, let's back up a little bit. If y'all, if you guys remember a couple of weeks ago, Randall Cobb talking about how they needed more of the shorter and intermediate routes in their packages, uh, just to kind of get the ball out of Deshaun Watson's hands quicker and to kind of get the offense moving with some kind of rhythm and a flow. And I felt like yeah. they did that, you know, the, the, the flashpoint or the highlight for I think a lot of us was the deep shot to Cooks to start the game, which I think everybody was just hype about. It was like, okay, okay, we see you. We see you, YOLO. We see what y'all doing, you know, going deep to Cooks on the first play. Uh, but then, you know, going up the middle with David Johnson and, you know, that, that I work on the very next play, they, of course, punt it. But from the play calling and the scheme and just the, uh, I guess, just the overall approach and philosophy, I appreciated that they were able to implement some of those shorter and intermediate routes and kind of just get things going. That's offensively. Defensively, I think I was most impressed with the team as I've been all year, especially in the beginning. And I didn't watch them as closely as the game went on because I was so impressed in the beginning. But the beginning of that game, they are flying to the ball. Even when the run, when they weren't stopping the run early, because they, they didn't improve on the, with the run until later on in the game. But I thought that they were flying to the ball um, I thought Tyrell Adams or Terrell Adams was somewhat of a revelation. I'm not going to sit up here and tell y'all he's a better player than Bernard McKinney, but he moves better. He's a, he is a quicker, more athletic linebacker. He is. I'm and glad that, you said that. He's very I, decisive. Yes. And, and when, when I talked to Romeo about this earlier in the week, he mentioned that as the game went on, he felt that it, at least it seemed that Terrell became more comfortable with his reads and quicker with his reads. And from watching the tape, I could see that as well. Um, and so I, I think that that might've been, I'm not like, again, I'm not gonna call it an upgrade, but it was a noticeable difference in athleticism and speed on the defense when too often they've looked pretty slow. So, I, I mean, I thought it was a good performance. You know, you can grade it on a curve, you know, you can qualify it, you can do all of these things, but you know, a win is a win. And the same way I evaluated them in defeat and criticized their 
inconsistency and just some of the head scratching things that they were doing in defeat, not just that they were losing, but they were doing all of these, that they looked so bad in defeat. I got to say that they looked good in winning in victory. So I got to give them a little bit of credit there. You know, Brandon, I'm glad that you talked about how you graded them on a curve because I've actually did the same thing. And to be honest with you, I've been kind of conflicted you know, recapping the week of the Houston Texans that we've seen because, yes, they look good, but at the same time, they was playing against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And like I've been saying all week, these are not the Jaguars who was once known as Saxonville. I mean, this team is like one of the worst in the league. However, one of the positives that I did take away from this game is, of course, the offensive game, especially between the connection between um, Deshaun Watson and Brandon Cooks. So, my question to you would be, do you feel the performance that we saw against Jacksonville was a turning point for not only between Watson and Cooks, but the offense as a whole? Or do you feel like everything that we've seen in those first four games, we're going to see that a lot more starting with Tennessee on Sunday? No, I do think it was a turning point for the offense for sure, uh, especially with Cooks. You know, with him struggling or at least not showing up in the in the stat sheet in the game before, in the Minnesota game, I didn't even consider or think about the fact that he had a down year last year. Like I'd forgotten all about that. And somebody mentioned it here at the station not too long ago or at some, at some point this week that he had had a down year last year. And so that I would have probably been even more concerned had I had that in the back of my mind and I didn't, but I do think that this is something that's transferable. This is something that they can take with them in future games as far as how the offense looks. And that's the key here, because as we've talked about before, and at least from my standpoint, the expectation for the defense is only but so much, right? But the offense, even with the loss of DeAndre Hopkins, trading away DeAndre Hopkins, the weapons that they brought in, and of course with Deshaun Watson leading the way, and what we were led to believe about the offensive line coming into the season, we thought that the offense would be sort of the crown jewel of this team and they have not been they have not been whatsoever until this game so I think that between Cooks's performance now I, it helped that Cooks was going up against some reserve defensive backs and like they went in they, they were picking on guys and they they knew who was out and who wasn't normally in there and you could tell that they were picking on guys but I do think that there are some things that they did in this game and they showed a level of comfort in this game with some things that I think they can take with them uh, in, this, in this Titans game and going forward for the rest of the season. I know when we take on the Tennessee Titans, their defensive front is pretty good. You know, whether I want to talk about Jadavion Clowney having a sack or a knife, he is one of the most Swiss Army knives uh, as a defensive player that I've seen because he does so much at one time. But I want to reflect on, and before I do this, I want to shout out to my boy Phil and my boy Coop, my, my, my lineman buddies. I'm a lineman as well. The very first game with no offseason, and this man hadn't played football for damn near a year, we gave Titus Howard a lot of crap. But within the last three to four games, man, he has played phenomenal on the run, and he has gotten better with pass protection. Going into the Titans game, I, I want to reserve that, but – how much has he impressed you so far this season and on Sunday? A lot, man, really. Tim Kelly talked a little bit about it on Thursday, just about him improving each week. And coaches say that all the time about getting better every day, getting better week to week. 
a lot of times it's coach speak. You go back and look at the film and they say a guy's getting better each week, but he's not, you know, um, they say a guy is improving, but he's not. I, I think that this is a genuine case of that with Titus Howard. You, and we talked about this too, after that first game, he looked slow, unathletic at times. And that's just, that's not what we know him to be. Like at the very, you can say whatever you want about Titus Howard as a prospect player, whatever, but slow and unathletic, if you know, in terms of, in context of a lineman, of a tackle, he, he was not, you know, and so he had to figure, okay, maybe he's still injured. Maybe he's not quite into shape, but whatever it is, when you look at him physically, because that was, that was really the main issue. There has been a lot of issues going on along the offensive line, as we all know. Some of them mental, some of them physical, some of them an issue of talent at the guard position, but positions. But with Titus, it was never an issue of talent, right? It was an issue of, is he physically there? Is he physically ready? And he looks like that now. And so you've seen that improvement from week to week, like not to be cliche, but you have literally seen his improvement from week to week. And all of a sudden, that right side of the offensive line, I'm not quite as worried about as I was before. Let's go ahead and start off with the Tennessee Titans and what they do on their defensive front and how impressive have they been this season. So we're going to talk about them on the other side of the break. You know, I also want to tell you guys about Built Go, right? It's, it's just amazing. It's kind of sweeping the, the workout nation. It's sweeping the gyms. It's keeping everybody where they need to be in. Uh, Built Go just makes you the best you at whatever you do. That's what it does. That is the main objective. Whether it's a mental or physical wall, break right through it with Go every day. Easy to take in a 1.5 ounce packages. Put it in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever. If you're playing some flag football with your boys, it's good for that. Or you can just put it in your pocket to get through the day. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market it's a five-hour energy without the same crash feeling plus it's so natural for the body it's just completely better it's like drinking a monster with a third of caffeine and better results with three delicious flavors peanut butter honey chocolate coconut and my favorite chocolate mint i like mint you know mint, mint it gives you like this fresh feeling at the end. You know what I mean? Whenever you drink it or eat it. Built Go combines energy gel with a collagen protein. Collagen protein is fast absorbing, so it gets into the system fast. Plus, it's easy on the stomach. Built Go is loaded with good stuff and it's great to ignite your work. It ignites my work as well. Visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, and you'll get 30% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, for 30% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go! Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Locked On Texans. Brandon, as you know, on yesterday during the media availability, the talk of possibly this whole entire week was the Houston Texans playing against not only the Tennessee Titans, but Jadavion Clowney for the very first time. Now, John mentioned it a little bit early on in the show, but Brandon, I do want to get your opinion. How do you feel about the Jadeveon Clowney trade looking back at it one year later? Because to be honest with you, he was possibly my favorite Texan doing his, what was it? Five, six year tenure here with the Houston Texans. However, I do agree, agree with John. I think not signing Clowney to that massive extension that he wanted 
did save this team in the long run. And I do believe that is possibly Bill O'Brien's best move as general manager. And even though he has not recorded a sack this year, he has done really good in pressuring quarterbacks. According to PFF, this guy has recorded a total of 16 pressures that has resulted in five quarterback hits. Yeah, so I disagree with y'all a little bit on Clowney, but I do think that the truth is somewhere in between the extremes on Clowney. So if you go back with Clowney, they had the option. Clowney played under the franchise tag last year, you know, and my understanding is that the plan with Clowney, the way that that was supposed to go was he was going to be trade. He was going to be part of the Laramie Tunsil trade, which would have made much more sense than this is before we knew that uh, Jacob Martin would be a player, but mm-hmm. it, that, that at the time made much more sense than just sending him away for what seemed like nothing at the time and then trading away, mortgaging your future for Laramie Tunsil. You know, like the, the, the deals, if they had been won, would have made a lot more sense for the Texans. As it stood, it did not make a lot of sense for me at the time, and I still don't think it was the right move because I think that they had another year to decide what a long-term deal with Clowney would look like. You know, playing under the franchise tag, that's what he would have had to do if he was going to play, and I don't think he was going to miss out on that $15, $16 million or whatever it was. And so he was yours. I mean, it's, it's only slightly different from the DeAndre Hopkins situation, but the way that they are similar is that they were both under team control under a bargain or, or seemingly at the time for sure with Clowney under a bargain. And so those are team friendly deals. They don't have many bargains now, if any. And so that was a team friendly deal. He was a productive player. And if you go back, we all remember how last year played out. They could not get to the quarterback outside of the first few games with Whitney Merciless. And then after J.J. Watt went out after week eight, I believe it was the the Raiders game, they had no pass rush. And I know that Clowney is not known to necessarily get to the quarterback or sack the quarterback. He doesn't get those numbers, but they just did not have a player. Kind of the same issue that we talk about now as far as like who are the guys that stand out either on the broadcast, on tape, when you just watch the game. Who are the guys that stand out and they still do not have a guy quite like that? I know we make a lot of this about the sacks and I think the lack of sacks, the, the issue with his sack numbers and sack totals are part of the reason why the league as a whole seemed to decide that he wasn't worth the money that he thought he was. Um, I think that, that those things, those two things have to be related, but at the end of the day, I don't think that they have a better player along the defensive front, along the front, uh, the linebacker positions or along the line outside of J.J. Watt. Do I think they should assign him to this massive deal that he thought he was worth? I did at the time. I don't think so now. So I agree with you on, on that premise, John. But at the same time, the defense, <laughs> the run, we talk about the run. Every time we have a conversation, about the damn about the run. run. Excuse my language. Every time we have a conversation about the run defense, I start thinking about man. Well, we sure did have a guy that used to be pretty damn good against the run, and yeah. now, and now that's not the case. You know, so I think the truth is somewhere in between. He didn't deserve the deal that he thought he deserved, but he should have played in Houston under the franchise tag, and a capable front office should have figured that thing out 
whether it was trade him, let him go, figure figure out what was going to happen after the 2019 season. I would have been fine if he didn't come back for 2020 or if they franchised him again and played hardball or whatever it was. But I didn't think it should have played out the way it did. Yeah, if I remember correctly, the whole thing was he was going to play under the franchise tag. He he was going the whole he didn't want to go through training camp last year, so he was going to report back uh, right before week one and play under that franchise tag. And as we know, Bill O'Brien loves those dependable guys. You know, those hard hat, blue collar, bring your your, your lunch kit to work type of guys. And he didn't like that. It didn't sit well with Bill O'Brien that Jadavion set out all the time. So that's when the trade really those rumors and you know the whole process really started to cook but he was going to play last year under that franchise tag right and and i think that's the thing too that irks a lot of texans fans when you look at the Clowney and the hopkins trades is that these are guys that show up on sundays they make it happen on sundays and again who cares stand, about a wednesday right they and they stand out on they're not just available on sunday but they're available and they stand out on sundays so forget about Wednesday, forget about, I mean, training camp is cool, you know, and necessary, but, you know, we know Jadavion Clowney is not a big fan of training camp. And I think that also has a lot to do with his injury history. And it's like Jadavion Clowney is way more banged up than he looks when he's out there wreaking havoc. You can believe that. Mm -hmm. So I think that had a lot to do with it. And, you know, I would have liked to have seen them try to figure that out. Uh, and I think that a capable, again, a capable front office would have figured out a way to make that happen. But, your point about Jacob Martin, he has been a revelation. So that's he has. He's been very good. To get back to Tennessee, you know, we started off the season with Patrick Mahomes, and then we went to Lamar Jackson, uh, Ben Roethlisberger, Kirk Cousins, Gardner Minshew. But now we're taking on a revitalized Ryan Tannehill. I mean, it seems like Ryan Tannehill fell from Miami and fell into the perfect situation. We all knew that the limitations of uh, what's your boy from Oregon? Uh, Mar Mariota would eventually show, right? He's a good quarterback to get them to nine and seven, but he's not good enough to get them to where they were when they made the switch last year and where they are now. How impressive has he, has he been for Tennessee in your eyes? And will Houston have an opportunity to show that they can stop him? Because he's been on fire this year for the most part. I have been, I guess, somewhat surprised by how accurate he's been. Like, I, I've always known that Tannehill was an athlete. I mean, he played he played wide receiver at A&M. You know, like, it, when you take a take a wide receiver and put him at quarterback, you got to assume that for quarterback standards, this guy is going to be an athlete. So I, I expect it, like, when I see him throwing on the run or when I see them running these bootlegs or, or play action or whatever it is, I'm like, yeah, that's that's how I picture Ryan Tannehill's game going. I can see that. But his pinpoint accuracy has been the thing that has surprised me the most. I didn't watch every game that he played with the Dolphins, but I feel like I remember him not being that accurate, not as accurate as he is right now. And so I've been super impressed by that. I think that the Derrick Henry thing has <laughs> – he should probably give a quarter of his check to Derrick Henry. Uh, not that Derrick Henry is going to need it, but he should probably give a quarter of his check to Derrick Henry because that, I feel like, has allowed him to flourish. You know, uh, the threat of Derrick Henry, whether he's running the ball well or not. Y'all got to remember this, man. Derrick Henry doesn't even have to really be productive for that play action to work. 
I know. They I just know. they just know how much, and I'm talking about defenses going against the Titans. They know and understand how tied to their identity the Derrick Henry thing is. Derrick Henry running the ball, so they know to expect that. Whether it's working or not, they know to expect it. And I think that that's what allows them to just open things up. And, I mean, not to mention, I mean, beyond Derrick Henry, the man just got weapons. I mean, Jonu Smith might be the best tight end in the game in the next, I don't know, year or two. Maybe by some metrics, by some of the advanced numbers, he's the best now. And that's who I'm actually more concerned about. I'm more concerned about Jonu Smith because everyone knows about Derrick Henry, but Jonu, he's on track to have a career year. That's who I'm more concerned about come Sunday. Yeah, same here, man. I'm I'm more concerned with, with Jonu. I think that the receivers are really good. Like, I know, you know, like A.J. Brown, I think, and Corey Davis is back. Is Corey Davis back from the COVID list, I believe? Yeah, prior to that, he was – five catches for 69 yards, three for 36 with a touchdown. Then he was seven for one-on-one. So Corey Davis has had a bounce back. I think he's perfect for that second receiver role yes. to A.J. Yeah. Brown. And A.J. Exactly. Brown came back and he played phenomenal. Exactly. But both of those guys, I think, are – or all three of those guys that we just mentioned are dynamic in addition to the Derrick Henry situation, which I am – look, I am worried about Derrick Henry. I don't want to just give those other guys credit without – admitting that the Derrick Henry versus not such a great run defense bothers me uh, and, and concerns me on how that's going to work out. But I, I mean, I had the same concern with very different type of back, uh, especially considering size with James Robinson, the rookie uh, with Jacksonville, but, and they, they handled that after the first couple of drives, they handled that pretty well, but the Derrick Henry situation concerns me, man. Um, but in addition to that, when they open it up, with the play action game and those receivers we mentioned and John o. Smith, who, as we know, following the Texans can also hurt you out of the backfield. They like to use that guy in a number of different ways. Um, I, I just, I see this offense as being a really talented and well-run offense that has an identity that you can rely on and count on. And uh, and I just I just think that they do what they do and they do it well, you know. Yeah. And I think that's part of it. Been part of the issue with the Texans, like what what do they do? What do they do well? What's their identity? And I think they're still finding it. They came close, or or I, I would say made strides with that in the Jacksonville game. And so uh, you'd like to see if they're going to do it against the Titans. But we know what the Titans do do, and we know that they do it well. Yeah, John o. Smith would definitely be starting on my fantasy team this week. Uh, <laughs> Derrick Henry, he's third, he's third in the league in Russia right now. He averages 5.3 yards per carry against the Texans and 71.6 yards per game for his career against Houston. And J.J. Watt said that the Texans have to mind their assignments and stay disciplined in order to slow him down. And I hope he takes his own words and his own advice because we've seen J.J. try to cheat in or cheat out when gap assignment is very important. Before we get out of here, Brandon, Sunday's prediction against the Tennessee Titans. Sunday's prediction against the Tennessee Titans. I'm going to go, and Texans fans might hate me for this, but I'm going to go Titans 31, Texans 21. 
Guys, when we come back, we, of course, we got to thank you, Brandon Scott, for coming on the show today. When we come back, uh, we're definitely going to dive into what we believe we will see from Tennessee. Brandon, where can they find you real quick? At Brandon K. Scott on Twitter and at B underscore block underscore podcast. Holla at me. In a time where Houston has had a lot of BS issues this year, I want to shout out to Carlos Correa. Hit that walk off last night. Uh, the game was tied 3-3, and Carlos Correa said, hey, Tampa Bay, hold my nuts. Gave it to him. Walk off. I love it. And then we look at what happened yesterday in the city of Houston. I'm going to transfer this all back around to the Texans. I just want to shout out to Carlos Correa. We look at what happened yesterday in Houston, and Daryl Morey stepped down. Not too long ago, my dad, Tony, said he's not coming back. And with Daryl Morey stepping away, from the Houston Rockets. I play around with this idea just a little bit, and I hate we can ask Brandon this, but will Darren Morey flirt with the Houston Texans? <laughs> will he go from downtown? Will he, then, will, he, will he come from downtown to Office 16 in Kirby? Hmm. I think he's a guy that knows how to play with money. I, I think he's a guy that knows how to put together a roster, but Cody. Is that a possibility? And would that work? I think it's just a fun conversation. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to say I don't think it's going to work because, I mean, we have saw former personnel go from one team in the city to another. Um, it is a fun idea to play with. Do I think it's going to happen? No. Um, you know, of course, when I think of Daryl Morey, I'm, I think of him as a basketball guy. I think of him as the analytic guy. But what I would say is this. If by any chance Daryl Morey and the Texans start flirting with one another, I think the Texans really should consider him because as we saw throughout Morey's tenure with the Rockets, he knows how to put together a championship contending team and he knows how to get the player, the coach, the, the, the personnel that your star player want. Once Bill O'Brien walked out this door, Everybody said that Deshaun Watson should and Deshaun Watson needs to be part of the not only the coaching search, but the general manager search. If you bring a guy like Daryl Morey in, matter of fact, if you bring Daryl Morey in, he's going to be the one to sit Deshaun Watson down and say, tell me what you need and I'm going to get it. He did it with James Harden. And I think he would do it with Deshaun Watson. So, I mean, it's it's a fun topic of conversation. That's something I, I probably would just keep a small eye out on. You know, I, like I said, I don't think it's going to happen, at least not right off the back, because Daryl Morey did say after he stepped down from the Rockets that he do want to take some time, just relax, chill, and just to be with his family after a what was a very, very eventful 13-year tenure here with the Houston Rockets. But, you know, like I said, I don't think it's going to happen, but everyone knows Deshaun Watson needs somebody that's going to not only take up for him, but, and I hate to use it like this, but he needs somebody that's going to cater to his needs. Yeah, I mean, you shouldn't hate to use it. I think that the era of football we are in, hell, the era of sports that we are in outside of baseball in a sense, but specifically football and basketball, NBA, NFL, the star players are, they do a couple things for your organization franchise. They fill seats. 
they make your team relevant. You are able to sell tickets. You are able to put your name in biddings for if you're the NFL. Uh, you know, you're able to bid your stadium to make more money. And I, I, I kind of attribute that to your star players as well, because the more people come to your stadium, the more uh, it becomes more popular to be at. Jersey sales, uh, the whole nine. And so the problem here in Houston is the Texans fans are always going to support. We know that. But at some point, the fans want to win. And we've seen the blueprint of what Jim Harbaugh, uh, I always get them confused, but the Harbaugh brother and Greg Roman has done with Lamar Jackson, catered to his needs and made him an MVP. Uh, we've seen what Eric Benemy and Andy Reid has done with Patrick Mahomes. We've seen what Sean McVay did with Jared Goff. We've, we are seeing what, to bring it back towards the Tennessee Titans, we've seen what Mike Vrabel and his coaching staff has done with Ryan Tannehill. And so I, I could point out a little few more, uh, especially with what's going on in New Orleans. Drew Brees' arm is completely dead. He cannot throw down the field. We are seeing Sean Payton, uh, Payton mask it to a certain extent to where he's allowing players to get in open space between five to eight yards for the most part. So to bring it back here to Houston, the GM has to be the one that caters to the QB's needs because this is a QB league. And ultimately, I think the idea of Daryl Morey staying in Houston, just switching sports, that's an idea that overall, it should be just an idea. But uh, overall, we'll see how that goes. My predictions for Sunday's matchup, 35-21 Tennessee Titans. Uh, I'm sorry, 35-24 Tennessee Titans. Deshaun Watson in the offense has a good game, but I think defensively they will be outmatched by what the Tennessee Titans bring to the table. And we will still seek improvements offensively. I think defensively we may still see improvements, but just not enough. And I'm John, some sports guy Hickman. Cannot wait to see the outcome of Sunday's game. And overall, not necessarily the outcome score-wise, the outcome progression-wise to see if Houston will be able to actually bounce back from their horrendous start after starting 0-4. Follow me on Twitter at some sports guy, and also follow us as a team, as a whole, at Locked On Texans and like us on Facebook. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. And you know I gave my prediction on the crossover show that we did with Locked On Titans on yesterday. But for you guys who possibly had missed it, um, I predicted that the Houston Texans was going to come away victorious 27-24 in this game. Um, just due to the fact that they are in a positive mindset and they have a whole new aura about them. And I think that's going to be able to be enough to carry them to a victory against the Titans on Sunday. But with all that being said, please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody C O T Y D A V I S underscore 24 until next time, ladies and gentlemen, let's hope the next time we come back on the show, we will be talking about the Houston Texans on a two-game winning streak and the possibility of them turning their season around. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace.
You are Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.